Welcome to Relationship, where real-life couple Justin and Candace share their keeping it real perspective on the ins and outs of their personal and professional experiences, navigating the ups and downs of partnerships in life and business. They will also offer practical advice for maintaining strong, healthy, fun, and successful relationships in life and business. If you're ready for comedic and insightful exploration of life, love, law, business, and everything else in between, you're in the right place. Buckle up, it's going to be a wild ride. Here are your hosts, Justin and Candace. All right, welcome back to Relationship for another amazing episode that we're going to have today. Today we have Tayo Isola and Dr. Sheg Aramalante, and uh, we're happy to have you guys on board today. So welcome to the show. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you guys for having us. All right, so we have two amazing guests. We have um, one is they're both accomplished entrepreneurs, one and they both have a passion for fashion and social impact. We'll get into that. So um, just to kind of start off, tell me each about yourselves. What 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 does one do and what does the other do? Or are you guys working together? Talk to us about your entrepreneurship. And how did you guys meet? Yeah. Well, we like to know that too. How did you guys meet? Ladies first. <laughs> Okay, so I um, sort of started in the fashion industry as a teenager. I started as a model, and then I transitioned into owning a fashion brand. Um, and then that became me then just fully becoming a fashion entrepreneur, so owning a fashion um, clothing brand to having a talent agency and then uh, wanting to fuse those worlds with a passion for social entrepreneurship, as I kind of, as you mentioned earlier, and so I also founded something called the Wonder Woman Initiative um, in 2018. And so my whole work is woven around my experiences in fashion with a background in psychology and with my love for just impacting society. Well, since I'm, you know, a lover of fashion, if you yes. could just give a little drip to the audience, what would be the style of your brand of clothing? The style of my brand is easygoing, exotic, easygoing, exotic. So I want someone to be able to stand out, definitely be identifiable in the midst of a crowd, but I also want them to feel like they're comfortable in what they're wearing. So I'm very like um, flawless, easy, and then exotic. And where can people find your clothing, your brand? Where do you sell it? Of course. So the brand initially started as a swimwear and resortwear brand, but we recently have partnered together on that project as well. And so it's now a much bigger brand that has jewelry. We have perfume, we have hats, we have bridal, a bridal collection that just came out um, in February as well. And so people are able to find us online at iamido.com. Iamido.com. Awesome. Thank you for that. Of course. Well, let uh, Doc, you're on. Yeah. So I'm, 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 I like to see, consider myself a jack of all trades. So I have a, I, I'm both Nigerian. So I came here at a young age of 18. I initially came here for college and I was on the track. I come from a traditional uh, Nigerian family where like you have to become a doctor, lawyer, or engineer. Those are the three things you have to be. If you do anything else, you're disowned. No, that's not, <laughs> that's not the case. But I, I came with a passion for uh, medicine initially, but I, I always had an interest in fashion as well. And so while I was sort of in, in, in college, I started to sort of 
gravitating towards some uh, modeling. So I was fortunate enough uh, to do some modeling gigs. And that was actually a very interesting uh, scenario because I was going to rebel against like, like my family and say, I'm not going to be a doctor. I'm going to sort of start my own pathway. And when I got into the modeling agents, uh, modeling scene, and I was, you know, behind the photography, even though there was a lot of glamour and it looked very, you know, these, these images came out very polished. I realized at least in that moment that I that I wasn't using my potential to my greatest um, greatest um, um, abilities, and I thought that that would be a disservice to the talents that I've been given to just uh, just be a photo. And in reality, I didn't really the the models at least when I was uh, at, at the time when I started, which was about you know looking about 10, 15 years ago. Uh, there was a lot of like influenza marketing or influencer type of stuff. So you basically did not have a lot of control once your image was taken, how that image would be presented. And I didn't want to be presented in a, in a, in a sort of a, a boxed or stereotyped view. Uh, so having said that, I, I have a, I have a master's in molecular biology and then kind of took ah. medicine. And then from there, I realized even in medicine that I wanted to do more. So I went and got an MBA. Uh, and then from there, sort of just been tinkering around with some uh, entrepreneurial stuff. And so she said, uh, you know, uh, the biggest new project that we're working on is this project called I Am Ido. And it's really a way for us to fuse our backgrounds as as Nigerians. Uh, we've basically experienced, you know, part of half of our lives in a different country with, you know, different flair for fashion, different flair for colors. And then bringing that together with uh, our passion for social impact and social entrepreneurism. And so we said, how can we fuse my love for medicine, uh, my love for science, my love for entrepreneurship with her love for psychology, her love for fashion, and create something that can really admire those two and still represent sort of our Nigerianism, our Nigerian background. And so that's how this new project called I Am Ido uh, was created. And so we are fusing fashion with uh, sustainable um, initiatives or right, initiatives that are very passionate for women. So the, the first initiative that we're working on is, is basically like one of those buy one, give one. But we are focusing on the area as a physician, period poverty, which is women, a lot, a lot of women around the world cannot afford the luxury of a period, um, which is just menstruation, right? Uh, and there's a lot of psychological um, studies that have shown that these women, uh, especially at their tender years of, of self-growth, of self-esteem, uh, they begin to recoil from school because they don't want to be, you know, bleeding in school. They worry about the smell, the period, blah, blah, blah. And so this, this event in life, which is supposed to be great, which is supposed to signify that you're no longer a girl and now you're becoming a woman, is now beginning to be tied with shame. And so we don't want to just be a brand that just shows the glamour of what it is to be a woman. We also want to be able to give back to the um, the fragile women who are hopefully will become the next you know future leaders. But we want to make sure that they're not uh, fragmented uh, due to social stigmas. So that's how do you do that? How do you what what does that initiative entail? So go ahead. So we have it's called the Outperiods Initiative, and so what we do is we have the buy one give one strategy, as he um, spoke about, or we we like to call it the um, acquire one seed one. Um, so anyone that acquires a product from our brand, we will then seed one uh, period care pack to another um, woman who's in need, and we manufacture these um, products ourselves. So it includes the um, reusable bamboo pads 
which can last a woman up to like 10 years. And so she'll get a pack of a few of them. And then she'll also get like a carrying case. And so if she's out in school, she has this bag that can she can put, you know, the one that she's used and seal it until she gets back home. It's just um, very easy. It's easy for women who don't have access to buy, you know, uh, pads, you know, disposable pads all the time. And so now she has something that she can use for a long period of time. And also it's, you know, more um, eco-conscious and and more sustainable for the environment. Uh, Not only are we doing that, we're trying to push the education again around um, periods, how to have healthy periods, how women can transition into this space of their lives without feeling the shame that comes with it, uh, providing more understanding for women who probably don't have the access to the the education uh, based on whatever. And it's funny that even in the US, you find that the numbers are so high for women that um, cannot afford uh, their period hygiene products, especially for college, women that are in college, because they're at a phase of their lives where they probably have limited resources or women who are homeless, you know, so we find that those numbers are high even here at home in the United States. And so our brand is dedicated to committing our time and resources to making sure that women have the understanding and they also have the products, you know, available to them. I think that's really awesome. It's really amazing. That's great what you guys are doing. Now what you're doing, have you guys encountered any challenges in getting this out there? Uh, and getting the program out there and getting your brand out there. Yeah, of course, of course. Yeah, go ahead. So like any, as, as you guys are, are lawyers and entrepreneurs, you know that any idea you start off with is like a seed, right? You plant it and you have to nurture it and you have to prune weeds and all that good stuff until it starts to grow. And even when it starts to grow, the ability for it to bear fruit is still going to require some work. And so since we're just, uh, we're just starting off, obviously you're going to get the, classic um, startup, you know, persistence of getting the word out there for people understanding the brand. Uh, obviously, we are in a in a time in society with both good and bad, with having a technological boom where anyone with a phone can literally record what this has resulted in is a information overload, as you guys know. Uh, 100%. You can, you know, doctor, doc, uh, lawyer Google. My, I went on Lawyer Google and he said I can pull in his paperwork. And you guys are like, no, Lawyer, lawyer Google. <laughs> <laughs> lawyer Google is not right. Dr. Google is not right. Yeah, uh, no, no, no. Yeah, yeah. So you get a lot of information. Uh, so trying to get above the noise and be authentic and not uh, following the same strategy that everyone's following has been one of the hardest, um, uh, hardest aspects that we've had to overcome. And obviously, like any company that's starting off, obviously acquiring more seed funds, you know, dedicating those funds to the right strategies, um, getting more people involved. Uh, you know, that's something we're just working on. We don't necessarily call it like, you know, issues. It's just the challenges of growth. Well, it's growing pains. I mean, there's, exactly. there's growing pains for everything. I mean, yeah, absolutely. We started our firm. There were growing pains. Uh, I mean, I can imagine. Yeah. Even what, 13 years later, there's still sometimes growing pains. So what kind know, of law, law do you guys practice? Well, what's your area of law? I do the property insurance law, and he does the personal uh-huh. injury. And then we okay. have another partner that uh-huh. deals with commercial litigation. Oh, business. cool. So you guys, you, guys got, you, on the other hand, have a lot of competition with the so I'm not going to mention any firms, <laughs> but they have billboards everywhere. Where are you guys <laughs> in Florida? In the universe. Where are you guys? Huh? Where are you guys? Are you guys? Uh, we're in Miami. Yeah, we're in Florida. Oh, we're located oh, yeah. in Miami too. Yes. Okay, cool. So yes, we definitely have a lot of competition. 
Yeah, yeah. But you know what I do say, because I won't mention it, but this will give it away. We might not be the largest law firm in the metaverse, yeah, not, <laughs> but we're one of the best. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. And in my yeah, size does not matter. <laughs> took a trip to the universe. I didn't see you guys billboard in the universe. What's up, man? <laughs> I, I, I know. I, I, it's, so it's, it's all with social media, man. Social media is where oh. it's at. Yeah. yeah. TikTok videos. Are you guys using a lot of social media to get your brand out for brand awareness? Yeah, we're doing. Yeah, we're, just, we're starting to do a lot more videos. Uh, but we're, again, we're trying not to just go with everything that everyone's doing. So we're even doing a lot of experimentation to try and figure out what's really what really captivates our audience. And we're still sort of tweaking that at the moment. But absolutely, you know, we're going to start doing a lot more um, social media, TikTok type videos to word out there. I want to take a step back, though, because normally in the beginning of our podcast, because this is relationship, I want to know how you guys met. Very interesting. Do I say how? Are you guys are you guys a married couple? Are you partners in business and in life? Everything. Yes. Okay. (laughs) Awesome. 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 So how did you guys meet? So we actually met through um, a mutual friend many years ago and we were just friends, you know, we had our separate lives and he started his business. I had started my business and here and there, we'll just cheer each other on um, like, Hey, and we would cross promote, you know, once in a while. Um, And that was it. And I think um, a few years ago, we sort of reconnected and again, wanted to work together um, on like our business ideas. And so it started as a working relationship and we're working together. And, you know, as we're spending a lot of time uh, uh, working with ideas, we're like, you know, we actually have a lot of things in common and, you know, let's give it a shot. And that's how we basically, but again, we, we like to be very intentional about our lives purposes individually and so it made sense to us so at the at the very core of our relationship we are partners you know we are partners that are on a very similar mission to make the world a better place in the little places that we we get to touch and that is the um intrinsic nature of our relationship and how long have you been together Two and a half years? Yeah, two and a half years. Yeah. Okay, so since you're in that two and a half year mark, and if I look back on Justin and my journey in business together, the first two and a half years was a shit show. So (laughs) my question to you guys is what type of, you know, it's it's almost like a two-part question. First question is, what has your experience been so far, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and if you tell me you've never dealt with conflict with each other in these two years, I'm going to call bullshit because everybody's got it. So the second part of the question is what do you, have you found so far in the infancy of your partnership and your journey together of what have you kind of garnered as the best practice so far for you guys in conflict resolution and kind of, figuring each other out and you know how do we stay in each other's lanes that kind of stuff so it's very interesting so when we met initially we were both young but that was about 11 years ago right so it's been 11 years of being sort of mutual friends and then in the last two and a half years it's sort of become a more uh, intricate friendship in many ways because we're always the, the idea is we're always going to continue to be friends as we uh, grow 
Right. Now, that's the first part question. The second part question is actually an uh, interesting one in that uh, not only do we have this interest in fashion and medicine and all the, the glassy stuff, but we actually have an interesting theological background. We're, you know, we're both Christians. And actually, our initial reconnection was actually based on just, hey, I have these ideas. I have not really, I don't, this stuff doesn't make sense to me. This religious stuff doesn't make sense. What, what's your take on that? Because, you know, I'm going through some storms in life. You're going through some storms. And so it basically started off as trying to come up with this sort of blueprint on how to navigate life. Uh, and through that, you know, we basically almost came up with like a, a strategy book on how to deal with life based on, you know, reading theological work, reading the Bible, stuff like that. And so what that did was it, it gave us this blueprint on how to, you know, help other people. And that was actually the initial intention. So she skipped that part. Yeah. And then <laughs> after that, we're like, wow, this actually can apply to us. We can actually use this to become friends. And so having this sort of this very manual that we created mm -hmm. uh, has given us the opportunity to uh, have a lot of breaking systems in the relationship. And so that these are the Cold words when I'm not happy with you. So when I throw that word off, you better back up. I'm just joking. I like that code words. I, I've never used code words. This, this, this is what word it's going to sound like. Let's say the code word is red. He'd be like, red, red, red. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Right. Listen, I'll just like, you know, yeah, no, no, I'm just, I'm, 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 I'm right. There's no code word. But that, that's actually a good idea. Yeah. Uh, but uh, in reality, I think because we are uh, we are very independent in our in our essence, and we have it's sort of like this. Um, if you guys remember your math from I don't I don't know a lot of math. That's why I went into medicine. But anyway, there's these pipe things where these two circles and they merge, and then there's a there's a place of overlap, right? And so I think I, I respect her individual individuality and my individuality and we know that these are the areas you're going to work on and so yes there are moments of conflict where there's disagreements but then i think uh just having the the context of knowing each other for a while mm -hmm. and then knowing where we are right now we're able to have dialogue uh, mm -hmm. as you guys would say in in law you have an argument but it doesn't necessarily mean that you're screaming at the other person you're using logic your yeah yeah presenting your you're basically you're presenting your case saying this is why I think this should work. And you should be like, well, I have other points that this could work. And then I could look at it and okay, actually that makes a lot of sense. Um, maybe we can go with yours first and then we'll see how that works. And if it doesn't work, we'll try my strategy. And if it doesn't work, we'll have to find strategy from somewhere else. That so I think sounds, that as we- That sounds so civilized. <laughs> most of the time it does sound like screaming from me. I will say what's, that- what's, I will say that she has the winning record on the arguments, though. My winning percentage is a lot lower. My my winning percentage is a lot lower than hers. So, um, and, but you know, with conflict can be in, internal and external. Sometimes some people don't declare that this is what they're feeling on the inside. Um, for me, I think 
where I had internal conflict, of which we don't have that much external conflict, because again, we're able to talk through things uh, from the internal side of things because of how the relationship started. Normally, as boy meets girl, they're attracted to each other, and very quickly they've told each other this is what they want to do. However, right. because we started, as he said, with that theological side of him, us wanting to merge all of these experiences we've had, him having a background in science, me being interested in psychology, I wanted to see how that found expression in the Bible. And so that's how we started, you know, mingling with these ideas. And then going on to the business side of things. So a lot of our interactions were just, I got a different side of him, the business guy, straight up guy, let's go through that. And so when we started, you know, the relationship side of the more intimate relationship side of things, there were days when he would have to switch off the intimate side and be strict business with me. And I'd be like, why are you not smiling with me? You know, like, so it's like, I'm like, why am I getting the the face everybody else is getting, you know, right now? And so I had a lot of internal conflict. I'm like, remove Dr. Shag right now. I want to talk with Shag. <laughs> you know, you know, you guys know from, you know, we are also trained very similarly. Like, it may be this, but it not, it's not that, but it could be that. And it's not that. So that when I, when I put on the, that face, when she's like, this is what you saw. Well, it could be a circle, but it also could be a, so that's where a lot of my conflict was coming from at the time because I wanted it to all the time be, you know, the same thing. So I had to learn um, how to even, um, would I say, diversify just even my my persona where right. I, I could come to the, to the table and have our meeting with everyone that we're working with and it's straight up business. And right. then later on, we can do the fun stuff. And so I had to learn that as a person. And I believe that every conflict opens room for the provision of solutions or right. the, the growth of both people. And, and I, because again, of where the, the background of our relationship started, I believe that I'm with him um, to elevate and he's with me to elevate both our individual um just where we're going in life and so if i if i get to modify some size of me in the process i'm moving in the right direction yeah that's very important i think amplification in a relationship is very important yeah uh, we have a term called uh we call intention intentional collaboration right. and that's the basis of, of relationships i think every interaction is an intentional collaboration we're intentionally collaborating with you guys uh and any collaboration could be positive or it could be negative Mm -hmm. We're positive, hopefully positively interacting with you guys so that we learn from you guys. You guys learn from us, your audience hears, you know, sees a different side of a couple. And so having those intentional uh, collaborations, you have to understand that you're going to be bringing two people it's very diverse because everyone has a different experience in, in just their biology, different experiences in their social interactions, different uh, from their cultural context. And so they're bringing all of that whenever you collaborate with them. And so you have to always put in the back of your mind that sometimes you have to have breaking systems that if there's an area that you're interacting with a person and it's it's causing you to feel um, either upset or uh, disrespected, that it might not necessarily be that person's intention to do that to you. It might, it might be just, the language, just the language that they understand, right? Right. Like like my I have my my closest friend is an Italian guy and you they're similar to Nigerians. You you go to their family and they're like having dinner and they're like, what's wrong with you? And no, you did not say that. And I'm like, whoa. And, like, <laughs> and they're like fighting or what? Yeah. Right? But then at the end of it, they're all like laughing, writing the same thing. Similar to right. Nigerians, 
uh, you hear us like bickering, but it's really, that's how we express happiness and excitement to see someone is so loud, mm -hmm. so boisterous. However, but that's me too. I, my, I'm Taiwanese, and so everybody oh, thinks we're fighting, and I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm like, yeah, we're yeah. not fighting. We're just really loud people and just very expressive. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm from New York, and if it sounds like we're fighting, it's because we're probably fighting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. She lived in New York, so she does. Yeah, so that's having that that mindset and empathy, and empathy. Yeah. yeah empathy is yeah i think i think empathy is probably the biggest thing ever in any type of collaboration is that you have empathy for a person uh as a doctor i i, I almost always experience people who are in pain mm -hmm. they're always hurting right and so a person who lashes out at me while i'm talking to them i'm not going to take it personal that dude this person is yelling at me how dare you i'm the doctor blah, blah. but i have to take that understanding that i am interacting with them probably at a moment of their lives is very painful or vulnerable or shameful, or whatever it is, and I can't take it personal. I have to put any kind of ego I have on the side and just try to meet them where they are. Uh, as long as there are some breaking systems where I don't physically get hurt or, uh, you know, it doesn't get out of control, but I have to always have that empathy. And so in moments when we have disagreements, either with, you know, what we're going to use this budget for, or, or should we hire this person, or should we bring this person on board, or should we create this new product, um, there are times that I'll, I'll draw something in my mind is the most awesome thing. And I present it as like, well, I don't really know about that. And yeah, my ego could be bruised a little bit. Like, man, I spent hours designing this thing. I thought this was like the next thing since Fried Rice. And you just said it didn't work, right? But when you take the time and say, okay, tell me why it wouldn't work. And if it makes sense, then I think if you're truly wanting to grow together, then you would go along with that. Uh, it's kind of like the utilitarian concept of for the greater good, right? In that moment, uh, is my actions really going to help the greater good or is it just about me in that moment? And so I think that's kind of how we try to um, work together so that we know that it's for the greater social impact that we're trying to do. Yeah, and not yeah about I heard that in a recent podcast that I did. It's funny that you're saying, you're describing, you know, what sounds to me like a term that somebody recently used or not a term, but they said, you know, we always look to the intent of what somebody was trying to accomplish. And if you really look at the intent and you see the goodness in the intent, but maybe the execution or the delivery didn't really convey that as partners, you're supposed to trust each other. And, you know, somebody may have done something in a way that you didn't, you know, you wouldn't have done it the same way, but if you stop and kind of take the pause that you always, always say, you know, we, we take, we have breaks um, where you're able to say, okay, if I know this person and I trust this person, you know, and I can see that the, the intent behind it, then it kind of lets you simmer down because then, you know, your, your mind isn't spiraling out of control in focusing on the outcome rather than, okay, if the intent was good, all right, now we can, now we know this is what we're trying to accomplish. Let's tweak it a little bit. But there's so, no guarantee that the result's always going to end up right, the way you want right. it. So you can't I look mean, at things from a result or, or outcome oriented way because that could fuel, you know, a lot of conflict because when we're all trying things out, you know, and failure, I actually embrace, by the way, oh, yeah. because yeah. through the failures is where you learn the lessons and all that kind of new, and you get to improve. So if everybody keeps looking at the failures and you're using the failures as the basis to fuel, you know, rather than looking at the intent, then that's where, you know, I, so, so I agree with you on that. And it's so interesting that you're talking about it because I'm like, oh my God, 
Somebody was just, yeah, you know, talking about that. Cool concept with failure. And I think failure, in my opinion, as a, as I'm bringing the science side of things, is just a, it's just looking looking at the answer from a different angle, right? That's failure. I mean, we've had a lot of breakthroughs where they just were like looking for A and they were looking through another lens and they discovered B, right? Uh, so failure is really, it's, it's more of a, a construct that we create in many ways mm -hmm. because we already have a, a goal in mind of what we want. Um, and, and so from a relationship or relationship point of view, mm -hmm. uh, you know, we understand that we are, we believe that every aspect of our lives is like a business. And so we have to treat even the relationship like a business. And so we have the same uh, concepts of what you would do for a business with almost like a broad executive plan. Uh, and it's not necessarily written down on paper, but we kind of have a mutual understanding of what our, our, our mission statement is. And then with that mission statement, what is what what is what do we present to the world? What does what do how would we want the world to see us and how would we want the world to interact with us? And then we also have, you know, uh, trusted board members in many ways, people that we can literally reach out to and say, hey, I'm having these ideas. This is what's going on. And because these people are trusted and hopefully learned, they can, you know, come with the good intention of providing solutions that you might not have seen just due to my own limitations of time, I guess, in many ways. And so that really helps us that even moments that we think are failures, we've been able to see them as opportunities to either be better or to actually come up with new answers or come up with new solutions in many ways. I like that. I like that a lot. And so if I had to ask you, because this is the question that we love to ask, you know, all of our guests, it's, it's, sure the basis of where relationship, you know, relationship um, came from, you know, if you remember, I don't know if you remember this, but many, many, many years ago, you know, all the different series of like the chicken soup, you know, books, I always, and, and while I love reading things that are inspirational, I'm also, you know, I always tell people I'm neither an optimist nor a pessimist. I'm, I'm just a realist. And so part of relationship and why we created it was, I said, you know, I never read things out there that really give me the, the nuts and bolts and the, and the great real raw takeaways in people's lives. You know, you know, it's, it's almost like when you, you know, it's when I meet somebody, let's say that's been married for 60 years, I love talking to couples that have been married for that long because my, my question to them, and I think everybody's question is what's the secret sauce, right? So when it comes to my guests and cause we're all so different and so complicated and that's what is amazing and what makes the girl go around, but I'm always interested in getting a compilation of what are my guests takeaways at, you know, whether it's the takeaway in life or business, some people think that there's no difference in the lessons learned life-wise and business. They, you know, some people consider that to be just one, like you really can't have a separate life lesson and a separate business lesson. Because Which I they're agree. All, when they're intertwined, you know, they're intertwined. Yeah, they're intertwined. Sure, sure, so, sure. What has been, and I want to hear from each of you, what has been, your biggest takeaway or life lesson or business lesson or both um, that you've kind of learned thus far? In general or as a team? 
both. You know, if there's something that you have learned just in living your own life and you're like, man, this this is one of the greatest life lessons I've learned so far. And then you have a different one in your relationship or you're in your partnership in business that I'd love to be able to, you know, I'd love to hear, you know, everything. I think the biggest life lesson I've learned as a person is to continue to trust the power of my own voice because society has many voices. Matter of fact, it's almost like we're in hip, hypnotic mode or we're, it's almost like we're being hypnotized from the time that we're children because we literally are living life uh, through the lenses of someone else, our caregiver, our teachers, our pastors and all these different things. And in the as with a lot of people who are in business, have had their rock bottom moments. In the deepest of of deepest of rock bottom moments that I've had, what that has come to do for me is not to necessarily destroy maybe what I was building. It came to allow me understand why I need to be able to identify which voice is mine. Because that is so hard to do, especially in today where, as he said earlier, We're in in the generation of information overload and you can quickly do a a TikTok mimic and make it your own. And sometimes you lose your identity in the midst of that and you can keep modeling that voice and then their voice becomes your voice. And so what I've learned is that even as much as I have faith in the Bible, even as much as I have Uh, teachers that have taught me over the years, I have to go back, even as much as I honor his voice, I have to go back and ask myself, is this what you are thinking? Are these thoughts, his thoughts projecting onto yours? Are these the thoughts of society that's projecting, you know, onto mine? And so I think that has been my biggest takeaway because at the end of the day, I'm responsible for my life and my destiny and my choices. And it's important that I'm able to identify um, my unique voice so that I'm always in alignment with who I'm supposed to be and where I'm supposed to be going. That was powerful. That Love was very that. Powerful. Love that. Mm-hmm. And then what's your what's your takeaway? You said that there was a takeaway that you've kind of gleaned from your journey think, together. together. Would it be the same okay. lesson learned or takeaway? Together again, it's because I think a unified voice. Because again, in identifying my voice. I think he was placed on on my journey at that time to help me pull out the weeds that I had. He's the landscaping guy. He's the land. Yeah, exactly. He's the landscaping guy. <laughs> because I had, you know, I live in Miami. I, I've been in Miami for about 13 years now. And I had, as much as I thought I was such an individual of my own, I had picked up some some things along the way. I had some weeds had kind of entered somewhere along the way. My intentions were no longer as pure as when I started out in business and things like that. And I thank God for his his blessing of, of just the science of things is having a Nigerian background where your your parents, a lot of times, they have that lifelong authority over your life. And there's that constant, you do this, you do that. And it doesn't matter if you're over 30 years old. Uh, and, you know, him coming into my life at that time where I'm having the um, almost like cognitive dissonance of, of uh, uh, this 
doesn't feel right, but society right. says this, you know, and, you know, that type of stuff. And, and he comes, you know, at that point where he's almost like, like my let me explain guy, you know, who says, well, if one plus one is equals to two, then it is two. And the numbers tell you that it is two. If um, we're all subject to the law of gravity, then we're human, you know, and so things like that. And there is nothing that's going to show up and be floating in the air unless it is using some other law, you right. know, that is overriding gravity. And so he came to be that voice of reasoning to help me see that your voice is there. And you can understand and identify your voice for yourself. And for so long, you've been moving in autopilot mode as a result of your need to be to subject yourself to the voice, the voices of authority that are in your life. But the voices of authority in your life have their unique lives and experiences that might not be exactly as yours. And so you have to know how to separate advice from reality from truth and he became my guy to help me see here a tree is growing and these are the weeds that you can take out to help that yeah. tree flourish that's amazing. that's amazing shout out to socrates <laughs> you know and so i guess can you be my life coach <laughs> he is my life coach for sure <laughs> And, you know, just coming back to the idea of a unified voice, I really honor his voice because of that baseline of where we started. It's it, 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 it almost became hard for me to trust people when I realized that I wasn't even trusting myself, you know. And so he, he brought things back, you know, to the center. And because of that, I do trust him to 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 kind of follow a certain algorithm when it comes to his reasoning and the the words that comes out of his mouth towards me. Well, thank you, Dan. <laughs> You're welcome. So, uh, I was when you said she 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 said something, I was smiling. I was smiling because I like to bring a lot of comedic elements when I when I do things. I think it's very it's one of the most basic human uh, language that we could. That supersize any um, culture. We all have that humor. And so when she said that she's not an optimist or pessimist, she's a realist. I just thought about that Dave Chappelle's uh, skits when he said, "When when when keeping it real goes wrong." Yeah. <laughs> I saw that. By the way, yeah. I'm a huge fan. I, like, and I remember mm, that. She's a realist. Mm, she might get in some trouble. <laughs> no, because let me tell you, because we're you know we're both parents. And to an 11 year old. And I was like, you know, I'm so sick and tired of reading all these parenting books that really just are all buttoned up. And it's, you know, and, and just assumes that all kids, you know, are the same. And I'm like, no, I'm going to write the keeping it real guide to yeah, parenting. And I it's agree. either going to be a huge success or it's going to tank because people uh, are going to be seriously offended because that's just how keeping yeah. it real <laughs> I go. Yeah, I love it. No. <laughs> No, based on just, you know, just based on just having a conversation with you guys, I, first of all, super dynamic, the way you guys talk. I know you're from New York and you have a Taiwanese background. So that already tells me there's a really big cultural difference that you guys are bringing yeah. into the table. However, you guys have been able to basically intermine that into one voice that I that we are experiencing right now. Uh, for me, uh, I've always been that loner kid who has always been intrigued by knowledge. And that's 
almost the reason why I've always gone on this pursuit to learn, uh, to acquire more knowledge. And in, in that experience, I think that one of the biggest things that I've learned with this new collaboration with her is the importance to understand how powerful your um, your words are, how powerful your even your intellect is, uh, that you have to come with that level of humility. And so using, you know, I, I was joking about Socrates and, and even using as, as a, as just as a philosopher, like the Jesus concept, for example, which is something that we're, we, we respect, is that in, in, even though that he had all this knowledge and wisdom, he never came conde- condescendingly to anyone when they were seeking understanding. And so there are times when she would ask me questions that I would think that it's actually, uh, she's actually questioning my, my intelligence or questioning my judgment. But then I have to stop and say, I'm, if she's asking me this question, then it's not about me. It's about trying to give her the answers to this question. And so for me, one of the biggest things that I, I think uh, supersedes um, what I've learned is the desire to constantly have empathy, uh, empathy towards her, empathy towards everyone I interact with, and always have humility. Um, I think you're more willing to win people over when you come from a, not a stupid stance, not a not a uh, not being a, a an ignorant person, but coming with humility, asking, you know what? I think I know. Hey, I think I got. I think lawyer Google told me something. But hey, guys, I really He's need your help. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's kind of what I think. You know, I, I think that's the that's the key to our success. Is obviously she's she's developed trust. I've developed trust for her side. And and what's interesting is that we were kind of weird in a way and nerdy in that we did personality tests. So like, what's your personality and my personality? And we saw what our personalities were and they were different. You're hired. Was it spot on when you guys took the personality test? Did, did the, were the results spot on for you? Well, I'm so glad he made us do that. Literally, we, we did like we were doing a, a job interview. <laughs> You know, and it, it was spot on. And I think a lot of times we go into these collaborations um, just thinking, well, let's just have fun. But it doesn't really work that way. Again, when you're thinking of, of building something that is like a business. Right. And so it, it was something that I think we both needed to do to give us a confirmation that indeed we were perceiving what it was we were perceiving. And so, you know, those personality tests are flawed. Mm-hmm. as you know, but I think it gives a good background mm-hmm. uh, on sort of what you might be working with. And you could, if you come with just trying to understand what you're seeing, it can give you areas of weakness. It always does. It gives you areas of weaknesses, areas of strengths, areas of similarities. Mm-hmm. And then based on the perceived um, weaknesses, based on my personality, how can I actually improve those areas so that I'm the best version of myself, not just to her, but to everyone else that I interact with. And so I think that was a very important thing. So I am trying to model myself so that uh, every collaboration that I do, including this show, including work, including the different uh, stakeholders that I interact with, that I come with that same level of uh, empathy um, and humility. And empathy doesn't mean that, again, doesn't mean sympathy. I think a lot of people, uh, they, they confuse what it means to have sympathy for a person. They do. They do. They do. Okay. I agree. 100%. Put yourself in the position of the person, make uh, decisions if you were from that point of view, but that doesn't always mean that you're not going to fire that person. Right. It just means that I'm going to fire you with empathy. I'm right. going to fire you with the understanding that, okay, this is where you are. I don't think this is going to help you, but I believe that if I let you go, 
uh, if you went into the world, you'd actually be able to gain more skills so that the next time we cross paths, you actually be able to help me or even fire me, maybe. And right. that's kind of like the way I I, I, I I sort of operate. And I think that's the way that we operate in this in this relationship. And you know, every every day, as you said, is a learning. After the show, we're going to close the lap. We're like, why did you say that? <laughs> did you know yeah, hey, hey, welcome. You know, you could, do, you could make a T-shirt. You could say, you're fired. Button, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like slam the, slam yeah, the just let the, let the t-shirt do the work yeah. that's it <laughs> you're fired but with, with empathy hashtag <laughs> i hate to say this with with my language right now but it's i'm even gonna i'm gonna do the go fuck yourself <laughs> but i'm very empathetic about it with empathy yeah <laughs> Yeah, it's like, uh. like you know what I love that, and I I love that you say it because I don't hear enough of that, and you know it's it's when you're when you're saying those words to me, you know what comes through my mind is God, if everybody just because well, it's lacking like in you this guys, world. you know, because there's so much you know lacking of it. You you hear about it all the time, and I, you know I always tell people that there's a difference of acting kind. And being kind, two completely different things. And I think that as a society, most people are so concentrating on acting nice so they can check the box and, you know, appear a certain way to the masses. But I always, you know, as I, when I get into these type of conversations with people, I always tell people, you know, I love my husband so much, not because, and everybody's like, you have such a nice, you know, nice guy. He's such a nice guy. I'm like, yes, he is. But it's how he acts to me when nobody is watching, watching. behind closed doors is what matters. Right. Because that's the true measure of that character and the right. kindness and knowing how empathetic and how, you know, humble somebody truly is. It's not, you know, well, what you, is, no, but it's true, thank but you. it's not what is exhibited for the audience, which for is what audience. everybody seems to be so focused on. It's try examining yourself and 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 how you are behind closed doors when nobody else is watching that's what really you know defines it and you know so. in this town you know it there's yeah. a, there's a lot of that well, let's, so let's, let's give that, miami you know, a little you know listen, what you said, I, I think it's interesting i think because interestingly we'll go to events and her you know events with her with more of her um peers in many ways and i usually would take a back seat i i try not to talk more i try you know i try to be very uh helpful in many ways and uh, you would, she would come and tell me that they're like, oh my God, he's like such a nice guy. Is he like a pushover? And she's like, if only you knew this guy. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but but I but I think I think the reality is that you know you're you're it's it's like uh, life is improv. It's like an improv act, right, or an improv experience. And uh, you you constantly have to uh, know when to. Uh, row or we're not to row, and and it's a dance. I, I one time I step my foot down, and then another time I'm pulling you closer. Another time you're doing it. It's just like a dance, and uh, it takes you having self awareness of who you are. Uh, I think that's one of the biggest problems in relationships and in collaborations is the lack of self awareness. I believe that the lack of self awareness leads to self consciousness. And then from self-consciousness, that usually leads to an identity crisis. And so right. if you know who you are, you know you you guys can you can walk into a conference of lawyers and somebody can just, you know, throw a curveball at you. But you're like, I'm a lawyer. And so I yeah, earned I earned this. And so 
it doesn't matter if you tell me I'm not a lawyer. It's not going to change anything. Right. It's not going to change that I, you know, I, I'm still a lawyer. And so the same thing is that if I know that I trust this person, I love this person, it doesn't matter if someone else says something. I have awareness and in 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 the understanding of the relationship of the of the business of this relationship. So I'm not I'm not uh, swayed by marketing other marketing campaigns that are thrown at the relationship. So right. that's kind of how I see it. And also one more thing, um, I think it's very important for people to understand that we both have come from uh, relationships that were very difficult. And, and it's not necessarily difficult because the other people were bad, but I think that there might have just not been enough compatibility. And so I think a lot of times, you know, you hear those ones who were married for 60 years. Some people are very lucky. They just strike gold at the first strike of, mm-hmm. of, the, of the hammer. Uh, and some people, they have to hit multiple, multiple times until they find the right spot where there's gold. And so for anyone who's listening, who says, oh, wow, these guys seem they have good energy and all this stuff. This refined version of both of us has come from being shaped and molded by prior experiences until we've gone to a point where we've, in many ways, been stripped off a lot of the uh, egos that we've been carrying on, the external weights that we, the, the, the false personas that we the false mask that we have to wear. And now I'm at a place where I'm comfortable with what I am. And if if you like what you see and it works for you, great. If not, I will still be a business partner with you. I will still be your friend, but maybe not in this department of, of life. So right. that's kind of how I, I, I we kind of jive. Well, that's some amazing stuff. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for your time. It was such Thank a you. pleasure to talk to you. That's a wrap for this week's episode. Don't miss next week's episode for more relatable, real, and practical insights from Relationship, packed with even more candid conversations. So make sure to subscribe, tune in, and keep your wine glass full. And if you want to share your own experience or ask a question, follow us on social media and feel free to reach out. Go to cernitslaw.com. Call 888-68-DAMAGE or email us at cshanbron at cernitslaw.com or jcernitz at cernitslaw.com.